Welcome to Breaking Paradigms, a podcast where we talk about global perspectives on spatial planning in practice and theory, by Constance Frech and Sarah Kuschel. to talk about urban agriculture and food sovereignty of cities. When approaching this topic, one should be aware of the following three terms, urban gardening, urban agriculture, and rural agriculture. Those three get mixed up, and we admit the dividing lines are often fuzzy, but still we want to give an overview of definitions and try to draw demarcations. Firstly, urban gardening. When hearing of urban agriculture, many people think of urban gardening first, but actually they are two distinct things. Urban gardening often takes place on semi-public plots in the city. Urban gardening areas are usually cultivated by communities, associations or socially interested enterprises. The cultivation and production usually happen by hand and non-professionally. The main aim of urban gardening is normally the social aspect improving the community and strengthening social cohesion. Enjoying nature, making friends and the sense of achievement are the focus. Secondly, rural agriculture. Nowadays, the base and main source of our nutrition are the products of rural agriculture. Our food, no matter whether we live in a city or on the countryside, is mostly produced in rural commercial or organic agriculture. Those agricultural enterprises are located in the countryside and demand vast areas of land. Especially in commercial agriculture, the cultivation and production happens professionally and, most importantly, industrialized. The outcome underlies strong competition and the price is market-oriented. Additionally, customers claim a supply guarantee of food For example, every small supermarket is expected to have a certain base stock regardless of local availability or season. The flip side of this is that farmers need to deliver, otherwise other producers or sources might take their spot. This pressure is increased due to international competition. The pressure on agricultural enterprises is high and governmental subsidies are necessary. Organic farming works under similar conditions, however, dealing with stronger regulations and controls. Either way, they work under professional conditions and their main aim is production of food. Thirdly, urban agriculture. Urban agriculture is similar to rural agriculture. Urban agriculture plots are in the area of or close to a city. Therefore, the plots are a bit smaller than on the countryside but the production still happens professionally. Often these products are directly sold and not destined for further processing, usually in the adjacent city, like at farmers markets. Nowadays, it happens more and more that food is delivered over enormous distances, causing pollution, traffic and loss of awareness of how food is grown. The rebirth of urban agriculture is tackling these phenomena. Food grown in the urban environment has shorter transportation distances, which reduces CO2 emissions and packaging, and 
Some urban farms produce organically, have awareness programs, so urban agriculture also helps to improve accessibility to organic food, as well as synthesize people for the topic of unprocessed fresh food. To sum up, we will use urban gardening as a term to describe community gardens for recreational and social purposes, while we call food supply of a city of nearby production urban agriculture. In this episode, we will focus on urban food production, i.e. urban agriculture. A short insight into some history about urban agriculture. As we know, cultivating land and production of food was the reason for humans to stop the nomadism and settle down. Therefore, food production in settlements were the start of advanced civilization. Mesopotamian or Incan high cultures built elaborate watering systems for growing food. Greek agriculture is considered as the dawn of European food growing. So urban agriculture is the cradle of human development. In medieval Europe, the surrounding areas would supply the city. That was the case until the Industrial Revolution and the invention of the steam engine. From that point, the cities grew rapidly and products could be transported longer distances. So the production of food went to the more rural areas and further from the cities. At the same time, due to poverty and food shortage of the working class, allotment gardens and courtyard farms came up. People grew food to feed themselves around their houses. So agricultural production moved from around the cities to within the city boundaries. Food growing in post-industrial cities in the global north has moved outside the city boundaries for the most part. However, many cities in the global south especially mid-sized cities, often harbor a strong culture of urban agriculture. This helps to subsidize income and improve food availability. Around the globe, there are also different initiatives concerning efforts to re-establish urban agriculture, and books like AgroCity, a city for Africa, outline an urbanity which includes food production. Now we're going to talk a bit about the challenges and also the advantages facing urban agriculture. And I'm interested, what do you see as the major challenges facing urban agriculture? For me, as having a focus on the European point of view at the moment, I see it as a challenge that is not very in the mind of the people. When I started doing research on urban agriculture and starting a seminar at university about that topic, it seemed to be a rather new topic. Which I find that was interesting because, for example, the um, uh, United Nations, um, the FAO, so the um, Food and Agriculture um organization of the United Nations actually discusses this topic also um, at length in within their program of growing greener cities and specifically points out that in Europe um, and in the US it's more seen as a leisure time activity which we define more as urban gardening rather than urban agriculture and therefore I find it interesting that you also notice that in your in your perspective that exactly um, 
Yeah, exactly. I have the feeling that especially in Europe, whenever you you come in touch, it's always urban gardening. And this is a leisure activity, as you said. And the main aim is not the production of food, but enjoy time in nature, making friends, etc. And in the end, you have some vegetables you grew yourself. It's not the main aim. And it's not necessary for you to survive to be part in an urban gardening program in the global north. I think urban agriculture is a lot mixed up with uh, urban gardening, which is to me super weird because for me, it's two totally distinct things. I think um, also when it comes to like concerns, maybe more on a on a global spectrum, um, if we look um, towards also kind of the history, which we discussed more also from the European perspective, but, but also with some input more globally, um, it's interesting that especially with the growth of cities and with more and more urbanization, um, the topic of uh, urban agriculture also becomes a bit of an issue of being able to sustain a country which doesn't have um, maybe the the larger supply chains or industrialized agriculture as it's more common in Europe or the global north in general, I think. And that this kind of like, so a pro of urban agriculture for sure is uh, food security. But of course the shortfall uh, is if there's a drought, if there's a crop shortage, you don't necessarily maybe have a backup. And I think that's also where um, the global north and the global south distinguish themselves quite drastically because you in Europe you would consider it more urban gardening as we described it simply because of the fact that there is also a fallback and you don't need to rely on that um, on that production. Yeah, that's true. So what would you consider other other maybe um, pros or cons of urban agriculture in general? A big pro is definitely, we already mentioned uh, before, less transportation and less packaging. And concerning uh, CO2 emissions, to, to keep the transportation as short as possible is a big pro to produce where it's eaten. I think that urban agriculture and the production at the place where people live increases the awareness of local food and local food traditions. Because I think in a global context, basically everywhere, our diet changed and it got more international, but it didn't get more diverse. It's just not um, limited to the local availabilities anymore. But people forget what they actually have especially old varieties or just the consciousness, what time of the year, what fruits and vegetables are available. I think that growing food in the cities can bring back the awareness of the local food and also local old traditional recipes, I guess. As an example from Europe, people eat all years tomatoes, cucumbers, and bell peppers. But actually, those three are typical summer vegetables. And people are just not conscious about the fact how many different kinds of 
uh, root vegetables we would have, which are possible to store over a longer time, so would be available in winter. So I think that is a very important point about that. I think that actually goes hand in hand with having more fresh vegetables, which we discussed um, also before in the definitions. And um, an interesting like connection there is also that, uh, at least according to the FAO, most um, production in urban gardens is organic, even though it might not be licensed like in the sense of uh, adhering to certain certificates you would still consider them under the umbrella of organic production um, because pesticide use and uh, pollution is much more imminent. So if you pollute your own soil in your own backyard and you might have your well quite close by, you have a much more close connection with that. And then, um, for example, in sub-Saharan Africa, the estimation is that about 40% of all households are also urban farmers. Um, so therefore, there's like this really strong link with, okay, I, I produce what I eat. It's also a bit of a subsidy for your income, because if you don't earn enough to, um, to buy food at the supermarket, which might be quite pricey as well, uh, simply because of um, lack of industrialized farming, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but just a, also a price point question is quite interesting. And then this tradition of backyard gardening or farming, however it's phrased, um, is really for like having a way to sustain yourself and your family. And it interlinks really well also with, um, with something that has also a tradition in Europe, which was to create food security for people, for example, with the movements in Vienna during the war times where huge gardens were created simply with having a lot of small gardens and a lot of, of small farming opportunities. I think um, that that is quite a bit of a, that's an important pro that is also very much connected with a con that you have more food security in the city and that there is also this trend that people want to get closer to their food again. And you have this kind of like noticeable movement as well, um, not just in Europe, but for example, the FAO also um, was describing a trend in Latin America and the Caribbean where um, there's a lot of uh, programs, actually government, um, from local governments, which are really focused on, on helping their local communities be uh, food independent and, and growing those crops. However, on the national level, you have very few policies that regulate urban agriculture. And this is also a bit of a dilemma, I think, because quite a few cities actually have very strong limitations on like the land use or zoning opportunities that you have for agriculture in cities, which makes sense if you're looking for um, more industrialized agriculture that's supposed to supply your city. But if you're looking for food independence or production independence, 
in agricult for agricultural purposes, it's actually um, kind of like countering your your idea. And that's why I also find it interesting that at least the reports say that these um, national policies might not always go hand in hand with what the local realities are and also what local what local communities actually put in their policies. I also found some interesting numbers and figures. Um, I found it really surprising, actually, that garden plots, according to the FAO, can be up to 15 times more productive than rural holdings. I found that pretty surprising. And that an area of just one square meter can provide 20 kilograms of food a year. I did know that you need 1,000 square meters to feed a family of four. Those numbers are always, to me, very interesting as an urban planner. Since these are the numbers you need to start thinking of when it comes to where to put urban agriculture within the city, when it comes to how much space do you need to actually feed people. And for me, it's a big chance actually to reduce our land use when urban agriculture increases its productivity. I think that can be not only a big positive impact on food supply, but also on the reduction of land use and the reduction of the heat island effect of um, cities around the globe, actually. I was actually not that surprised by the fact that um garden plots can be more productive because I would assume that um, simply because of cities being knowledge hubs and also uh, looking maybe more towards what the actual scientific evidence says and not just um, your experience, which experience I think can be very valuable in agriculture, but also has its shortfalls in terms of um, there are newer methods which are developed and uh, I think especially in farming, staying up to date is not that easy because research can be very like focused on a very specific thing. But if, but if you use a very small plot, which is very specialized, I think you can actually improve on your, on your productivity quite a lot. And so I'm, I wasn't that surprised. And also because if you, we look at Europe, but I think that's also something that globally is quite true, is that you want to make your land as profitable as possible. And if you want to produce food for yourself, um, whether that's as an enterprise or for you privately, um, it is quite an important topic to produce as much as possible on this small space. So therefore, I find it very interesting, but I wasn't that surprised. <laughs> I am really interested in how this also development continues, um, especially since we're saying more than 50% of people live in cities, which means that also there is less human resources for um, production in agriculture. And my question also is a bit in the direction of whether or not technology is there that you really need 
that much fewer people for um, for production, or if then it ne needs or it should be subsidized, and in addition, um, subsidized in the sense of um, in the sense of needs urban agriculture to subsidize rural agriculture because there's not enough production there anymore, especially when we go towards um, topics of drought and of extreme weather, which are, of course, affected equally whether you're in an urban environment or you're in a rural environment. But if you produce on a smaller scale, you might have better chances also of protecting that land or means of production. And then I think the other topic for me is that if we are looking also towards land use in the city and productivity increases, we also need to think of that needs to be stored somewhere. You can't just keep it anywhere. A city is quite a compact space. So how do you manage that um, in, in conjunction? conjunction especially with having more pressure on the urban land market in general urban agriculture is a global phenomenon that has strong roots in past and present it can help alleviate the stresses of climate change and shift the focus to fresh produce and local food traditions so now we pass the question on to you do you know of any urban agriculture in your city? Are you involved in urban agriculture? Leave us a comment on YouTube or on our website, or send us an email. This was Breaking Paradigms by Constanze Frech and Sarah Couchier. Be part of the conversation. If you like what we do, consider supporting us and join our Patreon community. Special thanks to our supporters, Thomas Fischer. Connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and at breakingparadigms.org. Content and editing by Constance Frech and Sarah Couchet. Sound design by Didac Barroso and Florian Frech. <laughs>